It was tax time, and a couple was being questioned about the way they had completed their tax form. They asked why they had failed to answer who was head of household. Their answer was simple. We have been arguing over the answer to that question for 17 years. As soon as we agree, we'll answer the question. Those who are heads of household, those who are in authority, are those with responsibility. Like an inventor with a patent, the creator God has authority over creation and has chosen to share that authority. Not with elephants, not with monkeys, not with dogs, though we probably wonder whether they might do a better job. But God has chosen to share that authority with humans. In Genesis, humans receive responsibility to care for every animal and therefore the earth. Have dominion over is the way some versions interpret the Hebrew. We have dominion or authority over creation and are slowly realizing that we cannot take this for granted. Excuse me. Because, well, no, we, we have to admit that we really like being at the top of the food chain, right? Yeah. Being under the authority of someone else makes Americans especially uncomfortable. We fought against England at the beginning of our history, and we continue to resist authority, to resist submission. You know, that word has such negative connotations. Well, those of you who have teenagers know about resistance to authority. And I wonder if that's one reason that some people don't come to church anymore because they see it as being submissive to a human and far from perfect institution, even though we see ourselves as being submissive to God. One baby boomer was talking recently about his escapades in the 1960s, such as getting tear gassed in North Carolina for protesting segregation. For him and others, those in authority had lost their credibility. They weren't making sense. They weren't making responsible decisions. So those who were willing and able rose up against them. All of us would rather make our own decisions than have someone make them for us. That freedom is one thing for which our military fights, and we are so grateful for that. And so, maybe you didn't really think about it when you heard Susan read it this morning, but what, how do you feel when Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me? How does that feel to you? Do you feel like you need to be submissive to that? Do you resist that authority? Some of us may want to say, fine, Jesus, you, you go have authority over others. I can take care of myself. Thank you very much.
Jesus says this post-resurrection. It's the very end of the Gospel of Matthew. And he says it right after we learn that as he appeared to his disciples, some of them worshipped him and some of them doubted. And that was just the beginning of a long line of people who have doubted Jesus and doubted his authority. How can a guy who's not around have any authority? When the cat's away, what? The mice will play. Vesper Bauer remembers an aunt and uncle having a missionary family visiting them. And when the missionary children were called in for dinner, their mother said, Be sure to wash your hands. And their little boy scowled and said, Germs and Jesus. Germs and Jesus. That's all I hear, and I've never seen either one of them. (laughs) A prince of thinkers, Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, said, Give me the benefit of your convictions if you have any, but keep your doubts to yourself, for I have enough of my own. Well, I think maybe we do that too much in the church. We keep our doubts to ourselves. And while we may question many things as we grow in our faith, we attempt as Christians still to live under the authority of Jesus. It's with divine authority that Jesus then authorizes his followers to go, to make disciples of all all nations, to baptize them, and to teach them to obey Jesus. Even with our doubts, Christians see the benefits of taking seriously Jesus' great commission. So we've seen in Genesis 1 how God transfers authority to humans And now Jesus, in the Gospel of Matthew, is transferring divine authority to humans. What will we do with that? What does it mean to us? Does it mean that we give an offering to pay ministers and missionaries to go make disciples, baptize, and teach? Church has become irrelevant for some because they have given up Authority, their own authority to professionals who willingly, egotistically, and unwisely have accepted it. To continue with this model will mean death for the Christian church. When congregations cede their God-given authority to the people at the front, the deacons, me, Mark, what happens? Well, we're not the body of Christ anymore. We're not all actively fulfilling our calling, our commission to be disciples. Go, make disciples, baptize, teach. Jesus has given us each equal authority to do these things. When I baptize people up there, I don't think I have the only right in this congregation to do that. Jesus has given that right to all of us. Question this institution. 
Question what you see. Question what you know. Have doubts. For centuries, people believed that Aristotle was right when he said that the heavier an object, the faster it would fall to earth. Aristotle was regarded as the greatest thinker of all time, and surely he could not be wrong. Now, of course, anyone, I wish I'd thought of it earlier, but I could have taken something light and something heavy and dropped them from here. Anyone could have done that in those 2,000 years or so after Aristotle died, but it was Galileo in 1589 who tried to prove it to others. He summoned these learned professors to the Leaning Tower of Pisa, and he went to the top and he pushed off a 10-pound weight and a 1-pound weight. Both landed, of course, at the same instant. And yet the power of belief was so strong that the professors denied their eyesight. They continued to say that Aristotle was right and not Galileo. Or not even what they could see with their own eyes. Question what you see. Question what you know. But at the same time, remember that we have someone to help us see clearly. And that is the Holy Spirit. Last week, again, we welcomed the Holy Spirit as at the first Pentecost. This Spirit is our guide. We choose each day, perhaps each hour, whether the Spirit will be our authority. We have a choice all the time. They hit us all the time. Will we listen to the Spirit within us? Or will we listen to perhaps what we prefer, what we want to do? Decide to go a different direction than the Spirit leads. And even so, when we go off on the wrong path, that spirit is still with us and willing to pull us back. The different aspects of God, creator, savior, sustainer, all of these help us through the unpredictability and the uncertainties of life. The spirit empowers us to use wisely the authority that has been given to us by God the Creator and by God the Son. Our relationship with God is a partnership. There are things that we cannot do without God. Breathe, for instance. And there are things that God cannot do without us. Some people would dispute me on that. I don't have a problem with you disputing me. But I believe that that's true. That there are things that God cannot do without us. Ted Ingstrom tells this story of a pastor who once made an investment in a large piece of ranch real estate which he hoped to enjoy once he got to retirement. So while he was still an active pastor, he would take one day off each week to go out to his land and work. But what a job. What he had bought he soon realized, was several acres of weeds, gopher holes, and run-down buildings. It was anything but attractive, but the pastor knew it had potential, and he stuck with it. Every week, he'd go to his ranch, he'd crank up his little tractor, plow through the weeds with a vengeance, 
Then he'd spend a little bit of time doing some repairs on the building. He'd make cement, cut lumber, replace broken windows, and work on the plumbing. It was hard work. But after several months, things began to take shape. And every time the pastor put his hand to some task, he knew that he would be rewarded with its completion. He knew that his labor was finally paying off. When he was finally finished, the pastor received a neighborly visit from a farmer who lived a few miles down the road. The farmer took a long look at the preacher and an even longer look at the revitalized property. Then he subtly nodded his approval and said, Well, preacher, it looks like you and God really did some work here. And the pastor, wiping the sweat from his face, answered, It's interesting that you should say that, Mr. Brown, but I've got to tell you, you should have seen this place when God had it to himself. (laughs) The Roanoke Valley is our ranch. God cannot save the valley alone, even with the help of Christ and the Holy Spirit. So God gives us a responsibility for the territory in which we live. God has shared his authority with us to go, make disciples, baptize, and teach. And the Spirit empowers us to live wisely, not just for our own sakes, because that's not how the Spirit works. The Spirit knows what's needed for everything. And guides us in a good path so that we can then share the gifts that we have received. The gifts of creation and even the gift of authority. How shall we respond? The authority has been given to us. Let's pray. Help us to see, O God, this world with your eyes and help us to be able to act in ways that would please you and that would empower this world to be more faithful, more loving, and more hopeful. Thank you, O God, for coming to us in your various ways. We pray in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.